0: I am Jason and I'm Paul and this is the hi-fi sci-fi podcast
1: today we're gonna to be talking about season 1 episode 7 justice
0: And uh, this episode has to deal with, I mean, a very abstract way of looking at justice. Or, or well, I guess really abstract's the opposite of it. It's, it's kind of ironclad, really. But uh, uh, Paul, joining us this week is a friend of yours, so why don't you do the introductions?
1: Uh, a man who needs no introductions. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, I mean, if you followed me on other earlier podcasts, uh, people might know Ed, but uh, Ed, yep. say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I don't know how much more more uh, you want than that on there. If you want to stay anonymous, if you want to. Uh, uh, I
2: do lots of things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been stuff. on podcasts with you, been on other podcasts, done some other stuff on the internet. If you search for Ed Witt, you'll find me.
1: Let me tell you, if you want him to draw something, like spur of the moment, maybe like a bear holding a rabbit, saying something witty, he could do that. And man, will the results be awesome.
0: <laughs> Which makes you the most qualified person that we've ever had on our podcast. So welcome, Ed. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for joining us.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say that it's, you know, that's common, but uh, it might be the first time someone said that.
1: <laughs> and we brought you along for a artfully done episode about... <laughs> um, yeah justice
0: yeah so this uh you know it's it's totally very season one e uh you know i mean it's it 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 tastes just like an episode one or a season one episode um i can't remember uh did we paul when we did our exercise at the beginning i don't think i wanted to i think i voted skip this one
1: I couldn't remember what I did either, which is odd, because I'm not sure what I'm going to say at the end of this. I think it's going to be the first one that's really drawn by this discussion. There's good parts. There's bad parts. This is a really weird episode. Yeah.
0: So let's, I mean, basically to uh, to, to recap the episode in brief, the Enterprise... Uh, is visiting a world that appears to be a new Eden. Um, the The people are simple, they live simply, but they also have, you know, no crime, no violence. That's uh, a beautiful, serene garden world. And so everyone <laughs> kind of wanders around and, and says, this is a great place for... Uh, uh, for a little bit of shore leave, until they find out the reason that nobody breaks any laws is there's only one punishment. Bum, bum, bum.
1: So having to watch this episode,
0: having to watch this episode on repeat <laughs> um, for the rest of your days. <laughs> um, so the the central you know conflict of the episode is uh, Wes is playing with some kids, um, playing on the wrong
1: side of the tracks.
0: Playing on the wrong side of the tracks. Also, um, this is going to come out wrong, but I don't know any other way to say it. They're kind of like. They're working up the sexy angle like i'm just like why is west playing with sexy kids like because they're just
2: yeah everything everybody's sexy on this world
0: i guess so like that's how um (laughs) they just that's how they say hello at one point is that what they said like this is how we say it like um,
1: it is it is a really strong statement that they're like oh well obviously paradise is like super sexualized mm -hmm. that's what paradise is right (laughs) (laughs) that's a super strong statement in this episode yeah right yeah. off the bat
0: yeah and it's um it's kind of it's a it struck me as really weird for a number of reasons because the the people on the planet seem in in one way you know very um, innocent almost like they seem very you know almost like welcome join us take our things you know and and enjoy our scenery and but then they're just like making out all over the place and it's just it's a very weird pairing that you don't see very often um and I, it just kind of struck me as like it's a choice it's interesting yeah. i don't know what they're trying to say about it
1: <laughs> Other- you know, i have in my notes is this a kid show question mark <laughs>
0: right especially the stuff with wes because i feel like uh some of the stuff with wes played as like an after school special to me like it almost way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when um when the sexy kids are are you know out playing ball uh you know then they're just like come let us show you love or i mean i can't remember how they word it but yeah, there is a weird line there isn't there yeah and wes was just like uh you know, i don't know ball. how to play that game
2: <laughs> i want to do something too with you uh
1: what it's something you can teach me will you uh well actually there are some games i don't quite know yet
0: and that's right before he uh, he stumbles into the forbidden phantom zone that's basically flowers um, and crashes into the, the atrium and um, he breaks their law, uh, which is apparently no trespassing. They take that very seriously. What's any law? Right? Any so law. Yep. In, the, the in that men. zone.
1: Yes. In this, yeah. in this yeah. specific yeah. zone.
0: Okay, Ed, thanks for bringing that up because like, mm-hmm. I almost completely forgot about that, but that's how it's policed is very seemingly arbitrary. <laughs> Like it's – didn't he like basically lose the lottery or something by happening to do that in the wrong place? There's –
2: yeah, there's like a – there's a random zone that's demarcated by a white box that Mm -hmm. he – you know, that you're not supposed to just do anything wrong in that zone. And as far as I can tell from that moment when that happens, it's this tiny little area. Right.
1: Well, Um, was that it or – because I had – I the first time I watched it, I think I came away that way. And then I watched it again – And I wasn't sure, like, because they talk about it, but they talk about, like, the place where the pen, like, it's a penalty zone. Go back to that Q episode. Yeah, right. Um, That might be coming up. Oh, that's coming up later. Um, Go to that future Q episode. (laughs) The idea is, like, no one knows where the zone is. Yeah. So it kind of seemed like, because they talked about the, like, white area or something, yeah, see, I don't think that's too. true
2: because 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 someone says at one point um, to them, well, that's not fair. And they say, well, it's clearly markated, marked with a zone. <laughs> and then you see he crashes through like this greenhouse that has a white fence around yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it, um,
1: but, yeah. So what I took away the second time, and I'm not saying it's right, um, was that like the white things were, oh, that's just like a place where the plants are growing, don't crash into it. Because that's kind of what they say when he crashes into It's like, oh, there's a new plants or whatever.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. They do say something about that. And then disturb
1: the new plants. You would be like, if there was just this zone that was like, oh, this is this white Fenston area, then you could go up to next to it and be like, Oh, well, hey, come here, buddy, and then murder that guy next to it. Disturb the
2: plants in the other zone.
1: Yeah, or Mm -hmm. like Like next to it. Whatever you want next to the zone and then be cool. Just don't walk into the zone. (laughs) Yeah, because I think what we've outlined is it's maybe a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think, I think they kind of did cross their message there a bunch in yeah. a really confusing
0: way. No, I think I think it's actually what you guys uh, brought up. I think it's a combination of both. Like, the, the white marks were like, no, don't go there. It's illegal. But I think what they brought up in the trial and maybe shortly after is like, they don't have the manpower to like to have cops everywhere all the time so they move to like different locations like this week it's on your street next week it's on the street down there you know like Mm -hmm. so they just randomly rotate like areas that they police i think and so Mm -hmm. west just happened to pull you know a a mega bummer because he not only happened to go into the forbidden plant zone but he happened to go into the forbidden plant zone on the on week when the cops happened to be there is i think how that played
1: out i Uh, think so two. Yeah. But uh, I like I'm still not positive. And it's <laughs> strange that I could watch this episode a few times and not be sure of something so core to the episode.
0: And what strikes me is like that's unnecessarily convoluted, right? Because I don't think anybody really cares about the intricacies of this weird Eden like world. Like really all that matters is all laws equal death if broken. Like yeah. they don't have to get into the minutiae of how they police it.
1: And realistically, right. I mean, it, it should have been something clearer, right? I, yeah. If the white things weren't there, and he just steps on some plants, or frankly, like they're playing ball, have him throw the ball through an old man's window or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> right? Ha, have him something do something like childlike.
0: It's a little weird, but it happens, and they get the point across. Wes is in big trouble, and um, then you know the uh, the central conflict in the episode is. Um, this is one of the first really big uh, prime directive episodes right like I, we've heard about it up to this point but I don't think it's been the prime mover in an episode up to this point unless unless I'm I I was going to ask
2: you guys if that was the case I think it, it might be the first time it's really brought up
0: yeah I mean yeah, it's it's I referenced it in passing um, but this well, is the first time that they really like bring, yeah, bring it to the forefront
1: they talk about it back in um, Code of Honor mm-hmm. yep yeah. They, they were super cagey about it there, too. Right. Yep. Um, and there's kind of cagey about it here, too. Like, at the end of the episode, I'm still not sure what the prime directive is.
0: <laughs> and that's mostly because they really skated around it. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and it's, I'm curious if the writers had a good idea, uh-huh. or if it was just some sort of mysterious thing out there, or, you know, did they just want to keep it mysterious, or did they want to keep it flexible, because, I don't know, later they really go and adapt to what it is, but they don't yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. This one, I mean, you know...
1: And it's core. It's core to this episode.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, this this looks like the first episode where they really try to expand on... Because it does go back to the original series, right? That the, the prime non-interference is the prime directive. This is the first episode that I think takes a swing at, well, what does that look like, you know, in terms of Federation law? They just don't get real... <laughs> technical. It's, it seems strange that they get so technical about this race of people. Are they the Edo? Is that who they are? I forget what what are they oh called? The- is it that
2: heavy that's to- the term that they use, but I don't know cuz there's also the like god that's above them and I don't know if that's the god of the Edo or if Edo is the god that's above them. Right. So yeah. I think they're the yeah, Edo yeah. and then that's their god, the like thing that's half there and half not yes, yeah, because uh, they just or,
0: refer to him as God, you're right, yeah, because the yeah. very first captain's log has uh Picard saying the home of a life form who call themselves the Edo, so yeah, okay, so they're the, the Edo, um, yeah, it's weird that we learn uh, strangely, we learn more about their laws, um, than the Federation laws because like we're never gonna see the <laughs> Edo again, <laughs> right? Like that's not gonna be a thing, <laughs> we're not coming back to this planet, like, um, but they Sometimes why not. You know, <laughs> that's a
1: fair point. That
0: we should <laughs> they should have come back in season six, <laughs> but
1: well, and there's a different question here, right? And I, maybe this is, this is a really early question at the beginning. Like they talk about um, the shore leave and they talk about like I think Picard says something about fresh air, like they just want some fresh air for the crew or something. Mm-hmm. It, it's clear that these people don't populate the planet, right it's It is like a small Eden type community. There's no indication that this is a global population. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If they just wanted fresh air, that's what it was about. Like, why not just go to, like, the other side? Space, Australia. <laughs>
0: <The
1: planet>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, go somewhere that is completely uninhabited. And I got, oriented.
2: I mean, I got the sense they were sort of in that area already uh, and that they they did it because primarily because they were so hedonistic this like yeah they're they- like humans and they're hedonistic it's like hey it's like a strip club to them it's, like let's go down and just like mess with these which you know the prime directive is like don't mess with these other like like the prime directive if interpreted like super literally like they should not be on this planet at all 100%. because their mere like like presence would make these and let alone taking one of them up into their ship
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Is going to really just screw with the prime directive. I mean, if you're taking it really literally, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of just like, hey guys, these guys do everything. Like, there's like a there's like <laughs> a line that's like they have sex at the drop of a hat or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they uh, they
0: use the euphemistic "make love at the drop of a hat." But yes, oh, right. that's right.
2: Yep. Yeah, any hat I believe is uh, the, <laughs>
1: added by some Except other. They don't wear hats, idea. so. <laughs> yeah, lost on them. And mind. frankly, they don't wear much at all. I, I, one of the questions I had was this, this is for a 1989 episode. Um, if you think about this being filmed today and, and having had television progress for several decades um, towards sort of more and more things you can get away with, I don't know that they would really change these outfits. Right? There's, like, there's not that much to take away.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just maybe put them in bikinis or something instead, and Speedos. Yeah, yeah. Not even be. try to cover any of them. Don't, yeah, don't cover their shoulders or whatever.
1: <laughs> or oh, those shoulders. That's yeah. right, I forgot. Uh,
0: you know, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go back to the point, Ed, that you made a, a minute ago, <clears throat> which is a good one. Um, That didn't even really occur to me when watching this episode, but you're absolutely right that... that um. Talking about the Prime Directive in this episode is turbo weird. um, Mm -hmm. Because they're just, you're right, they're violating it just by being there. In fact, in a much better episode, (laughs) LOL, um, the Who Watches the Watchers uh, episode. We're getting there. the, um, The central, you know, conflict in that episode is that they have to skirt around actually making contact with them or making their presence known or bringing them up to the ship because that civilization while not quite as advanced as the civilization we see here um, definitely I mean you know not advanced to the point where making contact would be appropriate according to the prime directive and I think later they do establish that like the prime directive essentially applies for any race of people who have no working knowledge of outside civilizations or warp drive I think is is where they draw the line in the sand basically
2: that might work in this case because it do, when they arrive on the planet, and I don't know if the assumption is that some of the some of the crew have already been there. Um, they don't seem surprised, and I think like Riker says, "Oh, these are the people we talked to before." Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we it's already, not like, "Holy the crap, there's
2: you know gods or angels here." <laughs> um, right. They're just like, "Oh yeah, you guys," you know. So so maybe they're not violating it because someone else has like like if, if if some other advanced civilization comes in with their ships and violates it before the federation gets there then maybe they're okay to arrive because it's like well they already know there are other civilizations and that uh, you know if you think about like our own planet right if 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 all of a sudden we learn that another race of aliens existed right. um you know it would be sort of crazy at first but then the second set of aliens to show up would not be surprising to us
0: Which would be Um, kind of a bummer, I think, for that second set of Aliens. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, no fanfare. Hey, Hey, guys, we're here. It's like, oh, another group of them,
1: I guess. Got here late. Yep. (laughs) You
0: get the sense that
2: people use this this planet as just, like, a way to just, like, get off, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just show up and... Yeah, it's, shore leave is a euphemism even in this
1: circumstance. <laughs> yeah, um, which is weird given the like crazy powerful, you know, God figure that they have orbiting the planet and uh, kind of calling the shots. Let's
0: talk about that God figure because um, this also I think suffers from uh, an episode or a, I keep saying episode one. I'm I, uh, in that mode. Um, the a season one uh, problem, which is I think too much clutter like too many things going on at the same time because I think a compelling episode could have been made simply out of the conflict between the Edo and the Federation right I mean mm-hmm. that's you know yeah they could easily overpower the Edo but that's not the Federation way and so it could be an easy morality tale but bringing the space god into it and like having the second part of the episode being on the ship trying to solve the mystery of the space god and then also deal like it it those two storylines didn't mesh really well for me. I don't know what you guys thought.
2: Well, I think I actually, I thought it was a lazy out by the writers um, yeah. because they ask for permission from the god mm-hmm. um, yeah. to leave, essentially. <laughs> like, they, no. they acknowledge, and, and even the Edo acknowledged, like, well, you could just leave. Like, you could just take your ship and fly out of here. We couldn't do a thing about it. And then we would just say, oh, you're, you know, Wesley's a rogue or whatever that we couldn't capture but they like have to exonerate themselves by like pleading with this god figure you know to to say like oh is it okay I mean don't you understand that you know rules don't apply to us the same way they apply to these other people and then at first they can't beam out but then they can so I feel like it's just it's their way of like violating it without violating it like it's like this god was the ultimate arbiter of this Civilization, which in itself could be another civilization, just like playing these people—it's mm-hmm. um, a troll but, job, right? <laughs> well, this isn't the first time, and certainly won't be the last time that they've used this trope of like oh, yeah. there's a there's a ship or like civilization, like orbiting this planet that pretends to be a god, right? Um, yeah. Well, and I don't know—it depends on how you define god. I mean, they are a god to these people, but. Um, Yeah, so it it, it just, to me, it struck me as like someone in the writing room said, well, what's preventing like Beverly from just beaming Wes on the board, on board or something? Mm -hmm. Um, And they said, no, we need something to like hold them there. The sense that like this God would hold them accountable if they didn't like defer to it and get its permission, you know, before they left or whatever. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. And you're right. It's sort of a lazy out. Um, and, and it kind of ties back to that, that first point was that if it doesn't exist, if it's not there, then it's a straight up moral choice because the door is always right there. And at mm-hmm. any point, Picard can say, hey, screw your world. We're leaving. Like, yep. you have a starship? No. <laughs> Bye. Right, right. Like, and are these
2: ga- are the Edo going to report them to yeah, the Federation? So like,
1: no, like, space police. <laughs> yeah. And so then it is a straight moral choice, and it's a straight how much, how, to what lengths will Picard go to follow the Prime Directive to finality? And it's like that's not a good enough. Um, it's not a, that's not a good enough story, right? So they come up with this this creature that is a gun to their head and mm-hmm. is consequences so that they don't have to make a moral choice. They have to make a choice that is, um, as, as they put it towards the end, it's the needs and the money and the needs of the few, right? That um, if they save Wesley, maybe this this thing in space will destroy the whole ship, including Wesley. And so then it's a whole different type of thing that's not a moral issue anymore. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of boring, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, well can we get away I guess maybe we should ask like they don't have to make that hard choice
0: yeah yeah well and um that does kind of bring us around to we can jump around a little bit um I don't want to just end the discussion about it here but I do want to talk about that that conclusion because I remember even watching it this last time around um it's another one of those episodes. Where it just feels like it just kind of stops, right? Like it's yeah. it's just it's on and then it's off. <laughs> like it's yeah. there and then it's gone. Because they're um you know they have the big uh you know, Picards in, I guess in that central room and and he's making his plea and they're go, you know they're ready to beam out and then he has to like he literally just kind of talks to the open air <laughs> like That's and insane. addresses the Edo God, and yeah. states his case. And then energize and then that's, that's it. Like, <laughs> that's, I mean, and I, I, he has this weird interaction too, where, uh, doesn't he like hail the object that's their God and says that, um, that cause wasn't there something about a colony too? Or that? I mean, yeah,
1: that's right. There was like a sea story of a colony in the system.
0: Yeah. yeah they
2: had seeded, they had seeded another planet that was in the same system and they found out data like this this god took over data or like uh, did something yes, to data, yep, yep. stole all his information and learned that they had seeded another like class M planet with you know human life or whatever mm-hmm. um, and it was mad because it not only did it own the Edo it sort of it thought it owned the whole system. Yeah. Uh, and so they sort of apologize to it at the end Like well we won't do that anymore in this system You know <laughs> well, like but if you they let ask, us go
1: One day we like do we want Do you want us to take those people away And then it's just like silence and they're like I guess we won't
0: Yeah I don't All know right. about that part I don't remember that part yeah. well, It's yeah, a three ending Yeah and then at the end he's just like "They, they Yeah the, the colony will be removed at its Signal and then yeah it yeah. just Goes away it, just, it like dematerializes Yeah so
1: Yeah. Well, but weird. Boy, talk about piling too many things on. (laughs) Because, like, I watched this once, and I went back to watch it again, and I realized that I had forgotten the B story. Yeah, (laughs) just like Mm -hmm. the crazy space god. Mm -hmm. And and I clearly had forgotten the sea story of the colony even <laughs> yeah. after two watching. So, yeah. man, there's some forgettable parts of this episode.
2: Yeah. So I had, a, I, 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 in my typical fashion, sort of over-prepared for this episode um, <laughs> by doing some research on this particular uh, episode of the show. Um, and apparently it was the first script commissioned after the pilot. Um, oh. So it was written huh. very early. Um, but... Uh, whoever gets writing credit on it, it's like uses their pseudonym, I believe, because the script changed so much from the original draft um, that, you know it's so I the fact that there's just lots of garbled stuff put together is probably not surprising if it went through many rewrites. Um, but the thing that struck me about this particular uh, episode is that it, it so st- struck me so similar to the Odyssey. like I, I thought of, uh, if you guys had to read the odyssey back in school but oh yeah um there's a there's an there's a like point in the odyssey where he ends up with uh and the island of the lotus eaters um which are like basically just a bunch of stoned people um who are just super chill and like all about you know basically like hippies uh mm-hmm. all about free yeah. love and all that kind of stuff and it like it's basically i was like oh they're just ripping off the odyssey like when i saw this episode that's even like in high school when i saw this episode i thought of that i was like oh yeah i've read this uh this story they're just ripping off the odyssey um and yeah anyway so that's it kind of
0: yeah yeah, that's a good point there's 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 something kind of weird about it It is eerily derivative because i actually made this note too uh when i was watching there's a there's a tos episode called the apple um, that involves the Enterprise coming into contact with an Eden-like planet under the direction of a god-like machine. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds really familiar here. Um, so it's kind of continuing that vein, too, of mining the, the TOS, you know, canon for just stuff to to regurgitate. And when you said it was written right after the pilot, that makes total sense because a bunch of the episodes that were written right after the pilot were... Basic rehashes, yeah. rehashes of TOS episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, as long as all the cool kids are making references, I will yeah. uh, note that I wrote down that this kind of felt like the Rick and Morty episode with the purge.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need. It. I need to see Rick and Morty.
1: Oh. oh man, it's so good. Well, they have an episode that's basically a purge planet, and they handle it well. I mean, yeah. it kind of feels like it could play out this way. <laughs>
2: It's the same sort of like philosophy 101 approach to yeah. to, to morality or, or law, you know, like <laughs> this is very much that whole, uh, uh, well, I, I'm not sure what the term is they use, but, you know, the, the side of criminal justice that believes that, you know, harsh punishment prevents crime um, more so than, you know, than, than other approaches to.
1: Well, and punishment randomly applied. Right, it's, a, it's a whole idea yeah I it. guess there is that as additional element here that yeah. if you if the, the axe is kind of always over your head then you're never going to do anything bad
2: it's right? like intermittent reinforcement yeah it's like yeah,
0: a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, a couple of fun pieces of trivia about this episode um I liked this one. This marks the first of three times that Captain Picard shows a native female her home planet from orbit. (laughs) It happens again. (laughs) uh, It happens again with Nuria in the episode that I just referenced earlier who watches the Watchers. Watchers. It happens with uh, Lily in Star Trek First Contact. Um, Uh, Let's not talk about First Contact. And it also happens... um, uh, So those are the three times but then he also goes on to tell that um to a niche in Star Trek Insurrection. But I thought that was funny. Three times it happened, once in another episode, once in a Wait, so in Star
1: though. Trek Insurrection he's like, Hey, remember those three times? I Oh, have you ever seen your planet form She's like, Yeah. And he's like, Oh, remember those three times that other people said no. Well, no, he references uh, seeing
0: out. his home planet from space for the first time oh. and where he stood. So that's it's like it's supposed to be this thing where it meant a lot to Picard. So he, he that's that's how he gets in with the ladies to show. Yeah, him. I was gonna
2: say he's developing a pattern of behavior,
1: in <laughs> mo of sorts. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, his,
0: that's his move right there. <laughs>
2: like, hey, check out this view.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also, um, the the model that was used for the Edo God. Uh, is later reused, as many things are in uh, Next Gen, as uh, the Lycian C- Central Command Center in the episode Conundrum. Lycian. Um, nice. That's the one where, if you remember, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatcher type deal kind of thing where there's just a, well, not really that, but there's a guy who's there like Commander McDuff or something where you're like, who the hell's that Scrooge guy? McDuff?
1: You said Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, yeah. Uh-huh. So Scrooge McDuck invades the Enterprise, yep. takes over people's bodies that's and supplies right. them to this thing in yep. space.
0: and tells them to blow it
1: up. Yep. Okay, that's in like season five? Yeah. You
0: season five, I think, yeah. Season four, maybe. It's the one where they wipe their brains and then they try to use the Enterprise to blow up uh, people they don't like. That's fine. I'll be waiting for the money bin. Yep. Scrooge McDuck. Duck tales. Woo. Um, so <laughs> that's the episode in a nutshell. Um, Anything else we want to say about it before we kind of go into the, to the, the bests and the worsts?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much to this, but so little to this. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. a really simple idea. Mm-hmm they really do kind of drag it out but
0: I I feel like sometimes too that's the clear sign of like not having a lot of meat to the story is when there's all this extra stuff piled in because at it's core I don't really think this makes a compelling 45 minutes of television it might be able to be distilled down to you know like a half hour style episode but I think they were running I think I think they were on the wrong end of the runtime as far as coming up a little bit short uh, on this Mm -hmm. one Um, and I think they had to kind of pat it a little bit in was, yeah,
2: no B story, basically.
0: <laughs> or any of the B or C stories are just tacked on and weird. Like they're not really yeah. that compelling. Like they're just, they're not even stories. They're just like trivia points, which is weird.
1: But so in keeping with uh, the fact that I have things written in my notes that I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what they relate to. Sure. Um, I do have a note. Um, does Data have pink eye?
0: Yeah, there was yeah. Yeah, Does there he? were there were a couple of mo- no I mean, I don't think he's supposed to but I mean Brent Spiner was clearly having a day <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that too. There were a couple of scenes where I'm just like dude. Are your, your eyes okay? Like what's what's going on? <laughs> like I I don't know. Maybe he was wrestling with something and
1: there is a lot of data in this episode to be fair Yeah, and, and, and we haven't talked about it one uh, bit because it's uh, so forgettable I
2: think There's a lot of data in the first season like in general
0: yeah. There is, yeah. Yeah. It's. I think it's clear in episodes like this that they really wanted Data to be new Spock, right? Like they just they're they're mm-hmm. putting him in the forefront. They're they're writing a lot of stuff to to really try to establish character, and it's you know some of it hits and some of it misses. But I think they're they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, like what happened with yeah. Nimoy and, and Spock. And I think to a degree later it does happen and work out, but it kind of happens more organically. And, and here it feels a little bit more
1: forced. Um, In Voyager with Tuvok. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: well, um,
0: <laughs> well, that's a discussion for an entirely different <laughs> podcast.
1: Well, I, I do think this this episode, Data, does kind of start to feel like Data, more so than any of the yeah. earlier episodes.
0: Especially the scene where, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it's the scene where uh, Dr. Crusher is really really like I mean she's at her core of a you know crisis as a mother where her son is on the planet he's captured he's very I mean it's very possible he may be killed because of the prime directive Um and data goes on this weird like tangent about like the natural response of motherhood yeah, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and she just like she shuts him down what has happened
1: the
2: Edo want to execute my son I will not allow that to happen, Jean-Luc!
1: Most interesting, sir. The emotion of motherhood is compared to all others felt by
0: Shut up!
1: You were right, sir. I do tend to babble.
0: Yeah, and it's like, that's the most data thing, right? To be like, oh man, yeah, missed it. That was, like, my bad, yeah because um i thought it was a very it was a very nice moment in an episode that was kind of wanting for some good character interaction between the cast that was kind of a nice you know crusher had something to work with and she played it very well um you know data got to be data and and it was just kind of that was those characters uh really well you know portrayed on the screen um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i thought um well, I mean, okay, then let's uh, let's get right down to it. Um, we can talk about best and worst. On this one, do we think we're going to have more fun with uh, the high points or the low points first? Do we want to really fish for something, or do we want to just get into it? Let, let's try to complement this episode. Let's let's find something that's really great about this episode. And Ed is our guest. Uh, I would like you to go first, unless you don't have something. But.
2: So I don't know if there's any particular rules for this, but uh, no, if, no I have to, if I have to pick nope. like a a favorite sort of throwaway moment. I think it's probably that there's a little interaction between Worf and Riker where Worf says something about basically like the women there couldn't handle him. uh, (laughs) And Riker says, Oh, if there were anybody else, I would assume you were bragging. Um, uh, And I just, I don't know why that was such a stupid throwaway line. my, my worst is actually a stupid throwaway line too, but uh, it just, I just chuckled at it. So I think no, that's, I thought that was no. good, and I had that wrote
1: written down because yeah. I, I thought it was. Wharf has been a good contrast in a lot of these episodes so far, and he does because he makes a statement first that like this isn't everyone's paradise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And it's the only contrast to the fact that like utopia is highly sexualized, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's this classic like Wharf is always that contrast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that that line was great too.
0: Yeah, well, and I think uh, moments like that are so powerful in the first season because it gives you a glimpse into who these characters eventually become. Um, mm-hmm. Because eventually, I mean, the writing gets better and the cast gets more comfortable, and and those characters. Just fit; they become more natural. Here, everyone's so awkward um, in the first season that catching glimpses like that, I think, are really nice. When you go like, "Oh, <laughs> see, there's Riker," there's because that's a very Riker response.
1: Um, well, I think Worf has been. Worf's got this like slow build. Yeah. It's like once an episode, they give him one line. That's like, oh, okay. I'll add that to the things I know about Worf.
0: hmm
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> And. Maybe in 10 or so episodes, I'll have a full minute. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I think he's one of the most interesting characters in just the Next Generation in general. I mean, like as someone who didn't, I never really watched any of the other. Like I I grew up watching Next Generation and syndication uh, and never really got into any of the other shows. Uh, I always thought he was the most like the sort of knowing nothing about him or, uh, you know, the culture he comes from. I thought I always thought that was interesting to learn about about so yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I do think he um yeah over the course of time too just gets more and more progressively interesting especially when he gets more to to work with I mean by the tail end of TNG they're giving him some good stuff in fact some of the episodes where his like adoptive parents show up are really oh yeah really yeah. touching like actually really cool and and then you know we could we could probably do a f- two and a half hour podcast about warf on Deep Space Nine where he's really got some some meat to work with but you know again some of that you're just seeing some of those inklings you know right here so um paul how about you with the uh the best point high spot of this
1: episode you know i think my best um is kind of uh in parallel to that that um there are a lot of characters that are starting to feel like the characters that they'll eventually become um or just put on good performances uh, mm-hmm. in in their roles uh, and I think data did that well um this, right he is starting to feel like data, um but Beverly as well, right beverly um right she's in a situation where she's um, in a place where she might have to follow the prime directive and and listen to Picard, but also it's it's her son uh and and she's not going to just let this happen right and, yeah. and so she puts on a great um a great portrayal there too. Um, but even, even some of that interchange between her and Picard where Picard kind of admits like, look, I'm not going to let them kill Wesley. Like, That's not on the table. Right. Like Let's go down there and let's deal with this. Um, but I think those, I think it's those character bits, those small bits of character that are the, the parts here that are salvageable, mm-hmm. um, parts of the A story, right? The, the, the main premise of this is a good idea. It just, they pile on too much. Right. And, and they got away from that, that main part. So yeah, I think yeah. it's really the character.
0: Yeah. yep. Yeah. I, uh, so mine, I think to, to kind of piggyback off of uh, some of the stuff that you just said, I, I just put, um, Beverly crusher by a landslide is probably the best part of yeah. this episode. Um, and she really kind of, um, I think in season one wasn't given as much to work with as she would later in the series, which actually, <clears throat> you know, is what led to her departure. Um, in season two, um, major disagreements between Gates McFadden and the writing staff, and I think the head writer, and and then some issues with you know that she didn't agree with with her character, uh, caused her to leave. Then she came back for season three. But this was this was a nice moment that was pretty rare in season one, where she was given a lot to work with, and it really to me, I was thinking about this as. Um, Uh, after i watched this episode she kind of emerges as one of the most human characters of tng Mm -hmm. um because everybody else is kind of they're just less relatable i think in a way because and and you know they're great characters but i mean they're almost superhuman to a degree i mean you know patrick stewart's uh you know jean-luc picard is you know, impossibly well-read, and and an incredible—I mean—diplomat, and and just you know, a, a, an authoritarian captain. You know, Jonathan Frakes is is. A 24th century Kirk you know I mean Michael Dorn is a, a Klingon warrior uh Marina Sirtis's uh you know Counselor Troy has weird ESP powers you know Jordy's the blind man who can see Brent Spiner's the you know Pinocchio robot you know Will Wheaton's the boy genius uh you know I mean like everybody is extraordinary um in ways that aren't like typically human and you what I like about uh, Dr. Crusher is she's just uh, she's an incredible healer and I mean a doctor which is something that we can relate to now and she's a a fantastic mother so I mean she's she's like this really interesting character where I think she kind of grounds the series sometimes Um, and in this episode she I mean without her there uh, doing this I don't think anything in this episode would have worked at all Mm -hmm. Um, you know the only parts of the episode that I think worked to any degree were the The parts where you really started to feel were the parts where not when you were worried about, you know, Wesley, but when you were you felt, you know, empathy for her and her situation where you're like, you know, she could lose her son. She could, you know. Um, So anyway, that was that was just what I had for for the best part of this episode. Um, Worsts. Worsts. The worst. (laughs) So, Ed, you can go first again. Um, I, I don't know
2: the exact wording but there's this stupid foreshadowing right before the opening credits. If you approve shore leave, sir, we could start with a small group.
1: Of course. If our scans and observations confirm the report, of course I'll approve it. Let's just hope it's not too good to be true.
2: Um, oh, man, really? And I was like, Wink. "Come on!" Yeah. So I think that's that's, and also kind of tied for that, uh, related to what you just said. I kind of feel like, in order for the conflict to work here, I had to believe that at one point, Picard was considering maybe letting them murder Wesley. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And but from the start, I w- even though he doesn't, you know, he's awkward around children and everything, he never. I never believed for a second that the, that they were even going to be close to following the prime, prime directive, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, so I think she does a great job of portraying her side of it, but mm-hmm. I feel like I I should have at least felt for like a half second that he was considering it, and I didn't ever feel that. Uh, in this episode, so, but yeah, definitely that that foreshadowing was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I like, forgot come about on. that. Such much. a wink and a
0: nod. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's so much forgettable about this episode.
0: Oh man, that's great. All right, Bob Paul, what's uh, what's your worst?
1: Well, it kind of builds on some of that. I, I think the worst is the layering of. Um, I think you get to a certain point of this, and you're like, oh yeah, well obviously he's not going to let Wesley die, so what are we going to do about that? Like, oh, well, let's, let's point this gun at the enterprise, this, this God that might be able to destroy them. Mm -hmm. And that extra layer, like I said earlier, it it just removes the whole moral argument. Um, And it's unnecessary. It it makes the core premise less interesting. Mm -hmm. And to some degree though, I I agree with you at the, the problem is it's Wesley and there's absolutely no way that it's ever going to play out that way. And If it had been, you know, if Wesley had some other kid that was, you know, roughly his age because there's a lot of kids on the Enterprise that was down there with him and that kid fell into the flowers and maybe that kid's even wearing like a red shirt or something. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, maybe Picard will kill that kid.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And now you actually have some suspense in the episode. But. Yeah, I, I think part of it is first utilizing Wesley in a role that, you know, he's he's immortal in this situation. They're not going to kill him, and um, and then recognizing that, and then trying to build this extra layer on that just that that takes away the whole point. Which is probably some of the, what you were talking about. The the constant rewriting is probably what happened there. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so, if anything, it makes me kind of wonder what what some of the original drafts had in them because
1: first draft Wesley gets killed <laughs> straight up <laughs>
0: He's just nope sorry I,
2: yeah I think there's some information online about what the original was and I do think it is something like some throwaway characters were involved so mm. that there were some stakes mm, yeah, um, so that's better. yeah. Uh, I don't know the series well enough to know the characters are referenced in the thing I read but it, yeah it was something to that to that effect that it was uh Yeah, that is basically exactly that, that it rather than featuring characters, you know, will not die. um, It was featuring some, you know, sort of generic characters you hadn't really known that well or, you know, maybe not red shirts, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, it might as well has been Picard down there. Like, they're not going to kill Wesley. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If anything, I almost think it would have been more believable to have another adult member of the crew.
1: Yeah, because I mean, Troy and Jordy and Yar aren't in this episode at all, right? Yeah, Troy like, so might be there, but I don't think she has any lines.
0: Yeah, she doesn't. Have, there's uh, Troy is there because um, I remember she's in the.
1: And she's like, "Oh, these people are very happy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they. She
2: was super excited to be down there. Yar was. Uh... Was Yar She's there
0: like, too? Yeah, Yar yeah. was down, oh, down on man. that planet.
2: Oh yeah, she was digging on uh,
0: one of the dude bros down
1: there.
2: Yar gets into the the sexy time stuff. You know that. Oh,
1: man, there's so <laughs> many forgettable parts of this episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're just all super into it. They're all so immediately into it. Um, yeah, which just I guess if wrong. they really did need yeah. shore
0: leave, I guess makes sense. But right, yeah, I guess really playing up that aspect of shore leave <laughs> uh, yeah, to an unnecessary degree. <laughs> Um I would say I mean oh there's so many uh compelling choices for the worst um in this episode but I have like <laughs> I came back to this one after originally passing it by because I'm like no you know what this is the worst um the costumes that the Ito wear force me to not <laughs> take anything in this episode seriously <laughs> at all like because it's that weird sort of zone between clearly put together that way to kind of be titillating but they're just ridiculous so you're still embarrassed to watch it if someone walks into the room but for all the wrong reasons you know and it's Mm -hmm. like I just can't I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't believe that a similar that a civilization would purposefully choose to dress that badly and that they would just like I mean at that point just be nude right like if you're just or it just didn't make any sense like like Ken
1: doll it right and just and
0: then yeah that would have have harsher undertones and and weirder implications but yeah you probably could (laughs) at that point I would
2: have loved to see this episode with it just being a bunch of blurs You could play so much with like their gaze
1: and stuff, you know. Like, (laughs) that would be great, uh, that would be a much more powerful episode.
0: The Enterprise's crew and their wandering eyes
1: because you could picture it. You could picture Riker talking to somebody and then just you know, a shot of his face and then his eyes like panning down.
0: Oh yep. man! Can you imagine that full-bodied hug that uh, that Worf <laughs> gave in the very beginning? And he turns like, "Nice planet." Like the implications on <laughs> right. that—if they were just fully yeah. nude—would have been even oh. more. Oh man!
2: That'd be a fun game to just play with any episode of the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what if they were all naked in this moment? Oh man! <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, I need to get better with After Effects. That's for sure. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so that's uh, the best. The worsts. Um, so now we establish the difficulty level of this episode, and by that I mean, um, what do we say about this episode as far as recommending it to someone else? Is this is this something suitable for people that you're trying to get into Trek, or is this something that uh, you know only the hardcore fans need apply? <sighs> do we put this on our TNG roadmap? Um I
2: think if you wanted to teach uh philosophy one oh one, this might be a you know, in like high school, this might be a good episode to show somebody. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I think that it does show shades of more sophisticated storytelling that will come. Some more sophisticated um like we said, maybe this is the first kind of foray into really examining the prime directive, so but I don't think it's necessary to um, because like you said, it doesn't have a satisfying resolution. It's just like, peace out, we're out of here. And they'll just take <laughs> off. So I think for, in order for it to be a, an impactful sort of philosophical situation, there needs to be more stakes or more of a implications of what happens at the end. So I think, uh, that's what I like about Star Trek uh, relative to other sci-fi maybe is that, that they do. They do play with a lot of things about, you know, culture and philosophy and and that sort of thing. And I just feel like this was the start of something, but not in any way close to their best example of it. So I I feel like it's probably skippable Mm -hmm. by my (sighs) perception.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Paul?
1: Okay. So I, I was kind of undecided and I've been thinking about some of the ones that we've skipped and some of the, some of the things so far and I think my initial inclination was that it's skippable. And I think it's definitely in that gray area where it might be, right? If you're looking to cut the fat here, this is a place to do it. But at the same time, I think one of the big things that I've called out in other episodes is situations that are not just bad, but damaging, um, where they do things that are Um, Contradictory to the rest of the series Or set things up in a poor way And I don't think this episode does that Um, And to some degree It is just a weird episode about You know A weird shore leave planet Right (laughs) It's a weird episode But I think I'm just on This side of watch it
0: really well
1: um okay which means it is it is in your court
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh how have we wound up here hmm (laughs) i was i was kind of wavering back and forth too because you you did raise a good point with the is it like franchise damaging and i don't think it's quite that you know damnable uh in, in the way that other episodes have been but the thing that really struck me about it and the thing that as I was watching it and trying to really watch it with a dispassionate eye, which is hard because I've, I've been a lifelong Trek fan, the thing that I think is like so off-putting about it is if you were to make a caricature, like stereotype, like episode of all the goofy crap that people found off-putting about Star Trek, most of the tropes would be in this episode. <laughs> Um, (laughs) like the goofy costumes the planet filled with people that aren't human but look exactly human Um, the uh, random pseudo you know god things that are they gods are they machines you know like the morality (laughs) tale that's not really with no stakes you know like it just it kind of it it does come off like like a lecture from you know a philosophy uh, classroom Mm-hmm. But without the drama, without the without the stuff that I think really makes good Trek good, which is which is taking those those moral questions and, and and conundrums and making actual dramatic you know television with stakes associated with it, and this one I think just falls flat. So it's not that it's a particularly bad episode; it's just goofy, and people would look at it and be like, "Well, that's silly," and I can't argue with that because <laughs> it's the whole episode's kind of silly. So I say. Um, skip it because I think there's nothing in it that's really redeemable to the point where it's like you have to know or it's very important about the characters I mean there are some nice moments that we pointed out earlier where the characters are are like, giving us glimpses of what they'll be but none of that I think is valuable enough to have somebody sit through it and go what the hell did you just make me watch <laughs> which I think would be most people's reaction if they're a deep not sigh available.
1: of relief deep sigh <laughs> of relief that you said skip.
0: Uh. <laughs> You didn't want that one on
1: you, did you? I think as soon as I said, yeah, well, sure, watch it, I think I immediately regretted
0: it. <laughs> You're like, I wanted that one back. I want to take it back.
1: But it's good. Got that one back. I, my vote's still on the books.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, well, I think that pretty much does it for uh, for this episode of Justice. Um, Ed, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. It was, fun. A,
0: it was a lot of fun, yeah. So we will uh, we'll be back with another episode of TNG uh, next week. Until then, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And uh, watch for the white... Marked phantom police death zones. They'll get you every time. The phantom zone. The phantom zone. I don't know how to communicate
1: this, or even if it is possible. But the question of justice has concerned me greatly of late. And I say to any creature who may be listening, there can be no justice so long as laws are absolute. Even life itself is an exercise in exceptions.
2: When has justice ever
1: been as simple as a rule book? Seems the Edo Lord agrees with you, number one.